Hello, hello, hello. Welcome again to Cinema Studs. Uh, we, I am your host, Valente Martinez. Uh, we, we are a podcast that reviews movies, discusses cinemas. We hail from the land of the First Nations, Kumaye, uh, in San Diego, California. Uh, with me today, we have a full panel. We've been waiting to do this for a while. Uh, to uh, Go ahead. So, I'm Alonso. I'm Alonso, Valente's brother, and one of you guys can go ahead and introduce yourselves, whoever. Well, I'm Matthew Rodriguez. I am the self-proclaimed old Hollywood professional person of this group chat here that we call Cinnamon Studs, but I also love all kinds of film and dabble in everything, from John Frankenheimer to Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> hey, hey, um, so go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, all right, um, I'm Alex Vega, um, a friend of Valente and a aspiring cinematographer. Uh, that seems to be my expertise. And today we're talking about Son of Saul, so I'm very excited to to break that all down. Hey, I'm Aaron Ramirez. I am a friend of Valente's. And I do art and stuff. I don't really know where I'm centered with it yet, but I will keep you updated on that. So. <laughs> I'm not doing yourself like that, bro. You... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm mostly like video and media and that kind of stuff. Hey, hey, yeah, hey, there you, go. you have a degree, damn it. You... <laughs> I have a degree, that's right. I have a degree. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. Somebody will hire you. Shoot, I'll hire you. Goodness. Oh, thanks. All right. So today, as previously stated by Alex, we are talking about the 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 2015 release of of June, Son of Saul. Alonso, this is Alonso's pick. Yep. So to get just may I ask, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> or I'm speaking for myself. It's you know an incredible movie one of the best, my personal favorite. And just to get it off the start, um, well, besides myself, has, in, has anybody here heard or seen the movie before this podcast? That's a good question. Before the announcement? No. I haven't seen it, but I recognize the very last shot. Like, I've seen that shot before, but I uh, haven't, haven't watched the movie until uh, for this meeting. Yeah, literally the same for me. Yeah, no, I, I have not either. Um, I The only time I saw it is I think you, I think recently on your Instagram, you posted something about that and you compared it to Come and See, uh, which is another uh, World War II Holocaust film, which I have seen. It's really good. And so that's why I was like, okay, it's probably gonna be similar vibes. Yeah. So yeah, since I'm the only one that saw it like uh, earlier, I guess. Um, yeah. Just get out of the way. Um, yeah. Because the, the, the format we have for uh, Cinema Studs, for any new listeners that we have, is that we do a, uh, we, uh, we, we do a two-part review. We do a five-year review. We review movies that have come out five years ago to this month. And we either, if, we, if it's a rewatch, we ask uh, a, about a five-year review. But if we haven't, like most of us today, uh, we do, uh, we do our, like, just our first impressions. Um, Alonso's going to pretty much talk about uh, what he remembers 
and uh, and then by the end of this discussion, he will discuss uh, whether uh, it'll last, it'll stand the test of time. Yeah. So, so I guess since I'm the only one who's seen it earlier than everybody else, so I knew about the movie when it when it won Best um, Foreign Film, to 2015 Academy Award, and it was a movie I've been wanting to see for a while, but at first I did see Come and See. That was the one I saw earlier. And then as time went on, like maybe like a year later, I know, or everybody else started comparing Come and See to Son of Saul. Like they even like comparing like some shots that are almost similar or identical. And that's what made me like almost want to um, push me to want to watch the movie more than before because I was a huge fan of Come and See and seeing the similarities it made me want to give some solid chance. And I saw it like, I want to say three years ago was the last time I saw it. That's great. Um, do you, do you even want to talk about, I mean, we can get, just get right into it. I mean, this is, I mean, yeah, I'll say you, you want to talk about, uh, what you remember? I mean, um, just something real quick was, I mean, at least the thing I thought was interesting was in your, the, when, when was the first time you saw this? Like, it was like 2018. Okay. So once the like early 2018, yeah. Okay. But no, yeah, and like I said, because of Come and See, I noticed the similarities. I noticed that it was just really was just straight up. It was he heavily inspired by that movie. And uh, it just everything, everything about it struck to me. I don't want to give too much away right now. Because I would like to hear everybody else first impression on the film. Yep. Whoever wants to go, or Valente, yeah, they go yeah. first. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I was uh I I think I saw Matt the the post Matt was talking about on your story because like because we the first time I saw Come and See was with you because you because you you love that movie. It's one of your favorite movies, and uh so it, it, that was the only thing that prepared me for Son of Saul. So I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, okay. Alrighty, they, he's saying it's like pretty similar, so I'm expecting a a, a World War II Holocaust film. Oh dear! Uh, but um, my first impressions of this movie are, and I just saw this really recently. Um, it's it's a pretty powerful movie, and it's a part of a uh, very specific part of the Holocaust that I wasn't really aware of, or I failed to even imagine. <clears throat> the the kind of the those kind of perspectives that I'm actually kind of glad that this movie did like because while watching it I was like why why does this movie exist I like oh dear this is like really heartbreaking but it it's worth it's actually really worth like it's not it's not a Oscar foreign drama Holocaust like tearjerker it's like an actually really solid powerful movie. Uh, that I would I would champion and recommend to see. Anybody else's first impressions? Yeah, and if um, I just may bring up, I didn't even know about the group that they were talking about. I didn't know this existed in concentration camps, like the, the Sondra Commando. I had no idea that this was a whole, like that the concentration camps had a whole like system. Like it was, like it was very intricate in how they like dealt with people and how they like alienated them from one another and delegated certain group members to be like the cleaning crew after they had been 
for lack of a better word, taken care of. Um, and that, so that part just kind of was just me trying to wrap my head around that the entire picture. I was like, I had no idea because no one taught me that throughout my schooling. I, I never remember learning about even going to the Museum of Tolerance or anything like that with my, you know, eighth grade class. Nothing prepared me for that. And so I'm still grappling with that whole concept. It's quite jarring. Um, but no, I think that just, yeah, just everything about that. I um, Did it, any of you guys have any understanding of a Sonder Commando or what even, have you even heard of that before seeing this film? No, not really. No, yeah, I haven't either. It just, yeah, no, it's, um, I don't know, it kind of wraps my world. I think um, the film itself is just, it's, it's interesting. I, um, it's, it doesn't present itself like other Holocaust features where it's, where, I mean, it's, it's solely focused on one person in particular, but it's also the camera angle is what really does it for me. It's like, it's like you're his best friend. It's like you're his imaginary best friend the entire time you're walking through it with him. And um, I, I can't really think of that many films that I've seen that have that unique perspective where it's like you are like one, it's like you're supposed to be like God in this film, seeing everything, knowing everything. And that's the way the cinematographer really presents it. And it had the film, I feel like been done in a different way where it was just a long pan shot, um, you know, from the distance and like, you know, kind of stylistically normal or what's typical of Hollywood movies, I feel like it wouldn't have had the same impact on me that it did. Yeah, absolutely. Shoot. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it feels like we're kind of getting into it already. Uh, yeah. Aaron or Alex, uh, first impressions from either of you two? Yeah, um, I, like when I first like, I guess Wikipedia the film before I saw it, I, I found out what it was about. I was like, oh man, like I don't really want to watch a Holocaust movie. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like I'm in a good mood. I don't want to ruin it. But then I I saw it and honestly, it's I really loved it. It was a really great movie. Like in terms of like not even like the motion, but just the technicality of it. Like the camera work is probably like the best I've ever seen. Like ever. Like and that's not even an exaggeration. Like like I don't know, like usually tracking shots like that with like the face, like on like a normal video, those kind of get annoying after like. 10 to 20 seconds and this movie pulled it off for like two hours and I never got tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean trying to piggyback off of like what a lot of people were saying like that camera angle um, was like the first thing that like you notice about the movie where it like you start like pretty close up on somebody. If I had to guess it'd be like a shot on like a 50 mil and then the the aspect ratio is like cropped so that you lose like a little bit of of the edges almost like a square essentially but i'd say it's like a little bit wider if anything like yeah. one by one point one point two four two five to like give like a little bit of wideness to it but that 
that feeling like Matt was saying, it's like you're going through it with him. Like you're like the the, the close friend, like you feel that like sense of uh, like compactness, like like you're walking in the crowd with the people that are being put into the um, into the gas chambers and you're like walking right beside him. It feels like you're going through the experience with him while taking in the knowledge about his son and, you know, his goal to find the rabbi and get him buried. And like, there's the, the other plot about them trying to uh, send pictures out to, you know, try and get rescue. And this is like, while everyone's preparing for, you know, the, the plan, like they're, they're saying that they're collecting weapons, they're gonna, you know, try and make a run for it. So it, it, it was a really interesting perspective on the Holocaust films where most I would say or most that I've seen um, have a variety of angles and it's about like you know the horror and like the shock about like you know the wide wide landscape like the, the many bodies are, that are being buried and like this film while including that is not like is never its main focus it's always like you see the bodies being dragged in the background out of focus they're blurred out and the killings are happening like slightly off screen or like blurred out in the back. And the focus is always uh, Saul and his, you know, his uh, role as the Sandra Commando, something that I had no idea was even a thing. But when you think about it, like it, it just like exemplifies that like ruthless sort of efficiency that they were going for, like, using using other prisoners to do the dirty work and then when those prisoners were all done you got rid of those under commando and you have the next train of people to to gather your next group that's going to do the dirty work and it's there's like so many like layers and elements of the film that that is like it just makes you constantly like engaged within it even though you are so like you're so cut off from seeing the full picture at all times. So it, it was a really, really interesting way to, to go about watching a movie. And I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of great points and a lot of great explanations from everybody. Alonso, you want to kick us off with, uh, with pretty much the film? I mean, this is, uh, you wanted us to watch this as a group? Uh, I think it was a really good choice. I, I just knew because it was your choice. <laughs> your recommendation is going to be really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but you know it was really it was really powerful. So well, just real quick. Um, I guess with Aaron and Alex, I'm curious if any of you heard of um, Come and See, directed by Ilham Klimov. No, I have not. No. So I mean, and that's one of the things why I love both these movies is that so yeah like I think one you guys mentioned is like it's different from both of those movies it's just in general different from other war movies it's one it, it's not I want to say it's not it's, it is just, just generally disturbing both of them are disturbing uncomfortable but the thing what I love about these movies is that they're not it's not either exploitative or melodramatic it, it just generally just feels so raw it just feels so nasty it just feels so so real and that's what made me like just fall in love with with both these movies in general and that's the thing that made this movie so great and like you guys mentioned earlier yeah 
it's not like other Holocaust movies where, you know, like it tries to make you feel sad, like on purpose, but like, it's not really trying to make you feel anything. It's just more like, it's just trying to show you the ugliness of what was really going on in those, in those concentration camps. And the fact that these people are barely heard of, and you know, we don't even, like you guys mentioned earlier, we, we don't, we barely hear these people exist at all, but they do unfortunately, and we don't get to hear those types of stories all the time. And that's why, and that's what made me really just love and appreciate this movie a lot. Thanks. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, if you guys get a chance to see Come and See, I, I would recommend it because it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful movie. Like the- also another um, Holocaust movie, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's from um, the Soviet Union too, right? It was, um, and it just got it. Was, it was from 1985, and it just got released in yeah. the United States in 2020. Yeah, um, got a release. Was it like a political reason why it didn't get released sooner? Or just- yeah. So um, I know the director. He had to wait like seven years before even getting being able to release it. I think in the Soviet Union, like there were so many things that were holding it up because of how graphic it was. Gotcha. And the material it detailed. And I think the other reason why it took a while for the movie to get a proper criterion release was was a like a rights kind of deal too. Like I think. Last I heard was that apparently like three different, I don't know, people or company owned the rights to that movie. Oh, it was like really oh, difficult. Dear. And that's why it took so long for this movie to, or come and see at least, to get a proper release mm-hmm. from Criterion specifically. Dang, I feel really lucky to have seen that. Yeah, I literally <laughs> had to find that movie desperately. I found like a shitty, low quality version of that movie the first time I saw it. <laughs> Uh, back to the back to Son of Saul. I remember I like looked up the director, like just because like he made a lot of like brave, I think, artistic choices for this film. Yeah. And it, I found out it's his first film ever that he made. And I'm like, oh. dang, that is just <laughs> all, like the tra- like the the shot alone is just ballsy as fuck to like. Yes, that, is that uh, aspect ratio is very compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And risky but it it, it, it works it, it works yeah. like it, it works so beautifully but it could have easily just as well not have worked at all so that's so ballsy of them to like do that it's oh. great i loved it because it reminded me of like you know an old movie it was like the one by 33 aspect ratio like before like 50s cinema smoke came in and there, when there was widescreen i i don't know i think I wonder if that was also a choice to kind of, you know, it was set in the 40s was like, maybe we need to have the aspect ratio of the time. So it was, yeah. was a choice. Yeah. So apparently the director did want it in that aspect ratio, mostly because he wanted that feeling of uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. I feel like we were, like even sort of like what you mentioned earlier, Matt, like mm-hmm. we're with um, Saul the whole time. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to make it look pretty. He kind of made like his own like kind of dogma 95 type role for this movie. Uh, yeah. Like I think one of them was specifically like he just didn't want to make it look pretty at all. Yeah. Feel nasty and ugly. And yeah, the whole point, I mean, yeah, the director said it himself, Laszlo Nemi, he said that he wanted to feel this idea like we were, it's like the eye of the hurricane, basically. Mm. Like we're right in the middle of all this disaster going on. Now mm-hmm. the main reason why he wanted it to be in that like four by three aspect ratio. 
mean, that did did I mean did everybody uh, catch that? Like like did like was it even like super immediate when like the movie started after that after that definition of the Slender Commandos? Like, did you guys just like whoa? This is this isn't so it's not widescreen. Yeah, it, oh, God. God. I was gonna say it, it immediately gave off the feeling of like the the super eight aspect ratio and like if you look at the corners like they're like slightly vignetted so like not all of that is like in the frame and it kind of looks like you're looking at like you know like going through like a roll of film yeah was this on film was this on digital oh yeah, it's, it's on, on film oh jesus yeah. oh golly no wonder it had that extra punch in it in its, yeah. in its lighting and shadow yeah, and the light is all natural too. All natural. Yeah. Oh wow. It seemed like it. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's rough. Jeez. Um, something else that I uh that I picked up on was just how it uh it, and it added to the not only to the aspect ratio but it also added like just the f stop on on that the camera was on like just just how narrow just the subject is clear is because it just opens up with aspect, the different aspect ratio yeah. and then everything is blurry. Everything is just, everything is just blurred. And then you see figures and people walking in and then they're coming towards the camera. And then it's just, Saul just walks right up into, right up into his mark. And he's just the only thing clear. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is the face I'm going to like remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like really true. Like it just, it finally like, like my brain just like, cemented his face like it was like this is like he's important but also like it was like a really good directorial choice that made Saul's face stick oh man what to me is also interesting about this film is that there's not a lot of plot like when you really boil down to it it's really just probably like a week's time with like they're just getting you know, it, it's they're trying to get ammunition ready to like stage a, basically a jail riot. And in the midst of that, you have a man who is dealing with the fact that, you know, his son is like dead and he wants to, like his innate, innate like parental instincts kick in and he wants to like, that sense of, you know, tradition, like, you know, he wants to have a proper burial for his son. And that just kind of then overrides everything. But it's interesting. I feel like they they did such a little plot line to really kind of hone in on the specific group of people, and specifically Saul, like and understand their plights and what's going on with them. Um, because if if they had done like backstories for every important character in the film and like why they are the way they are, I feel like it might have dragged down the overall message of this film, which seem to be just to highlight that these set of groups existed in concentration camps. I don't know, what did you guys think about that? Or am I too far off? I, I agree. I think, yeah, they're like trying to like kind of, cause I think like if you were to try to do like separate scenes with different people and that kind of stuff to kind of develop them more, it would have taken away from the whole point of the shot. Oh. Just kind of like keep it like in the storm of the, the eye of the storm, as he said, kind of. Um, like it kind of honestly felt like because the acting like was underratedly so fo- so good mm-hmm. um it kind of felt like it was a documentary at points like ironically absolutely just like watching everything happen oh man 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I remember I was like, why, well, what, why is the just, why, why do they literally have like no, literally no clarity? It's like, like almost nothing is in focus, mm-hmm. and then it shows them like going through the chambers, and then they're. You can hear all the bangings on the wall of the people screaming, and then they're dragging the bodies, and they're naked and they're bloody, but you, they're, they're all out of focus. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, like on that scene, like at the very beginning, when you first kind of get the gas chamber screams and all that kind of stuff, he it looked like he was gonna like walk away at first, and I was like, oh, okay, like they're not gonna like do that. Mm-hmm. And then he stays, and I'm like, oh fuck, we're gonna hear the screams. And then he walks right next to the wall, and I'm like, holy shit, we're going to hear everything. Yeah. It's like so ballsy. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like that was literally the opening. That was the opening shot, right? That's the opening. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. I'm getting ready for that, yeah. They're taking, the new, they're taking in a whole new uh, train load into the chambers. Yeah. Uh, Alex, I'm kind of curious about uh, your take on, uh, like, any, like, any other comments that you have for the cinematography on this? Um, I don't know if you looked up anything else on it because I haven't. I didn't because I just thought it was going to be on digital because it was 2015. But yeah, yeah, I didn't look up too much about it. But like I said, like I, I have a feeling that the film was shot on um, a 50 mil lens. I think that like it's 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 usually typical for for most movies to shoot wider, but I think that this film like really wants you to like have a focus on on the main character which is perfect for the 50 it's like it's like the portrait lens you know like if, if you if, if you shot like cameras like that's, that's sort of like its specialty almost mm-hmm. but it's also important because it's very like naturalistic like 50 is very close to um the uh the focal le- or like the you know focal length of of the human eye so it's it looks very natural and i think that's what they like were intending to go with like they didn't want to distort you know reality in any way they wanted to present this as something that you know literally happened like this was a true event that deserves to have like it's a story told properly and so it's not grandiose necessarily but it's like trying to tell like a real story at, like at, at its heart and like we were saying like, the the focal length the f-stop is probably like extremely low because i think the the story is not necessarily about the horrors like around well that is a part of it it's like they want you to focus more on uh saul's goal which is you know to give his son a proper burial and it's interesting choices that like they never really show his son all that much like you know like you you see him getting picked up and he gets thrown over his shoulder one time put on a table and that's like about all you see and then he's you know wrapped up throughout the rest of the movie you don't really notice the sun all that much so i i would say that the 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 intention at least at that point is to uh you know acknowledge that this is more for saul himself to give him peace of mind about you know uh, his son's well-being rather than like you know uh than making the focus about the son himself this is more about the the father you know so speaking of about the son did you guys take the idea that that was a son or 
like it's it's literally a son or did you take that as just just almost allegorical or whatever um i i didn't see it with subtitles or anything so i didn't know until they like after a while um like because i couldn't understand a single word but after a while i realized that his name was saul and so once i read like put the pieces together about the title i was like oh that's a son that he's trying to like make sure he has like a proper burial yeah there's like um, a character that says you don't have a son right right yeah so it, well so yeah the point was that it was supposed to be at least an up interpretation whether it is or isn't his son mm -hmm. and well i guess i'll get mine out of the way is that i i felt like even from the first time watching it was that like yeah i don't i didn't think from the beginning it was his actual son but i felt like for me the reason why he was so obsessed to give this kid a proper burial was i i, I always felt like he wanted to redeem himself even though he's forced to do all this horrible thing i feel like he felt bad about it like it's like you sending his own people to die and the fact that this kid like at least he sort of lived but ended up dying slowly unfortunately and to me like that idea he he wanted to find this kid a proper burial because he wanted almost peace in himself in a way to redeem himself of all the horrible things he's done and i don't know if you guys felt the same way or just i don't know that's an interesting i'm sorry um I was just going to say that was an interesting point because I did take it literally as like, you know, it's his, because that's what he said is like, it's his son from some affair or something that he had. Um, and he just wanted to give it a burial, but it could very well just be some random kid, but he has this kind of bond with them because it was, he came on a train from hung, Hungary. Was it, was it from Hungary? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, from Hungary. And so maybe he like saw him and maybe saw himself in this kid. It was like, oh, that could have been me at like that age, like here. There was something that definitely connected him to this, this kid. Um, and then he just kind of got wired. It like it it just changed him for the rest of the film because you know he before this is doing his work, cleaning, just trying to do what he can do to get to the next day. And his new goal becomes obsessive almost. And it's like, I have to give this kid a burial. There's something like, I have to do this. Like this overrides everything. Um, and it kind of, it, it's interesting. It really just plays with that idea of tradition. And I feel like it kind of, it, it ends up coming back to bite him in the butt, like, cause he's so insistent about like, oh, I gotta do this. I have to follow tradition. And it's so funny. Like I read this statement one time that like tradition is really just guilt from dead ancestors. And <laughs> I kind of like see that where it's like, if he had not followed his tradition and like try to seek up burial, he could have focused on himself and saved himself and a lot of other people maybe as well um but you know because he was so focused on this you know he lost track of you know getting the gunpowder and like making sure that got brought back safely and that then kind of threw a whole wrench into the works of like how are they going to do this whole jail riot now like and free themselves um well i just say one real quick before you guys bring in um because you mentioned that idea that him being religious 
another thing that makes this even sadder about this whole movie is that technically in tradition, at least what I looked it up was traditional Jewish burials, you don't actually need a rabbi to properly bury somebody. Apparently to properly give somebody a burial, you just had you just need 10 people. Hmm. You don't have to do the Kaddish, which was the pair he asked that rabbi to do at the end, who you know was a fake. Yeah, that was man. I it just makes it more heartbreaking yeah. like, when you uh, find that out. Oh man, that oh man, that was so conflicting because I I was rooting for him to escape. I was I like I wanted him to escape and and I, and I wanted the people that he was he was escaping with and then they were all getting supplanted in him. Oh gee, I I, I took it as literal mm-hmm. that it was his son because oh geez I I, I don't know. I mean now that you said that I mean it's it's really compelling why you would you would want to do that for your for yourself to redeem yourself but but um. Man, I, I'm having a really hard time. I'm having a really hard time talking about this movie because it's, because uh, honestly, we saw it like earlier this morning. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but it was it was a lot. It was it was like a lot more uh, to digest in this movie than I thought it would. Yeah, I I kind of took it as literal, and I thought that because at one point in the movie he goes to. I guess kind of the women's side of the the concentration camp, and I thought that the there's like one woman he talked to a lot, and she like tried to hold his hand at one point. He was kind of like slapping it away and that kind of stuff. So I kind of thought that that was like the mother of the kid, and that they were like married or something. But then like when you like brought up your point, I kind of realized that like at the beginning of the the movie when he like first sees the kid and decides to like like he needs to burial and all that kind of stuff it kind of did seem like he just kind of like saw a random kid like let me saw the kid and wanted to kind of give him the burial yeah i i I thought when they were looking at the body of the kid i i thought he was just shocked that he was the poor kid was still alive but but now I'm, i'm now that i'm thinking about it that statement when he says you don't have a son it could also be very literal too, like he's not alive anymore. No. Oh yeah. He's dead. It's like he's not here. Yeah. Yeah, like that was the first thing that came to my mind when that statement came out. Like mm-hmm. I thought he was trying to say, like, it's like kind of like forget about your son, like he's not here, like he's gone now. Like, you know, focus on yourself, kind of. But you know, like Alonso was saying, I I can now see that there's like there's like evidence that I saw while watching this for like both. But in the end, I did think that it was literal that it was his son. Mm. And like Aaron said, when he went to the women's side, I thought like he was trying to send that message, like kind of like to be there and just like him being there was like the message that, oh, like, like the son has died. Like that was like his way of saying it without saying it, you know, but I, 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 I guess that I also see the other side where it's kind of him trying to redeem himself because he's like participating in, you know, this this like awful, you know, killing of his of his people and he wants to redeem himself in whatever way he can. Yeah. And I feel like that part with the rabbi, I, I like at, at some point there's someone that told him like, 
like he, he's not a rabbi like he's like i think someone told him like he's like he's playing you like or something like that and he like just like slaps like anyone that like tries to tell him otherwise like away and i think part of him knows that like he will even if he is playing me like i'll take my chance like you know i, I think he was like willing to take that risk and like they didn't really care i think he would do whatever he needed to in order for him to feel like he did enough to be redeemed and you also bring up an interesting point with um with that with so with that guy that says like oh you know you don't have a son which could be taken as like you know he's not here anymore it's that same guy that then later tells him like he and i, I wrote down the quote he said to him you failed the living for the dead like you know when he loses the with the gun car he's like you failed the living for the dead it just it i don't know it just throws on a whole other level of like guilt and just kind of questions of why he's doing this especially even if it if even like even if it is his actual son like why would you go through the lengths of doing this knowing that you're screwing everyone else over because he he was he was actively putting everyone in danger, like their whole entire yeah. under commandos. Yeah. And when that one guy was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> when 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 he had when he has him like over his shoulder and he's walking him in, and like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, he's like, you get us all killed. Like, he's like, go put him back. And and then and then he shuts him down quick. He's mm-hmm. like, he's like, if they find us, I'm telling them where where your writings are, where you buried your writings. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is not, this guy's not having it. Like, yeah, it, it kind of feels like the entire movie, we're kind of watching like a psychological break of this man. Like, because when he, like, when he sees this kid, like, body, like, alive, like, not being killed, it's almost like he changes immediately and, like, he just doesn't give a shit about anything else anymore. Like, he's just like, fuck it. I'm just gonna do what I want to do. Like I don't care about any of this shit anymore. Like it doesn't matter. And he just grows progressively aggressive and also aggressively obsessive about his end goal throughout the entire picture. Uh, I mean, I I thought the plot of the story was that he was gonna just try to get him outside, and then bury it right outside the camp, and then try to sneak back in, but. Um, but that doesn't become the case because so, so, something that I, I enjoy about the direction of this movie that lends itself in not just the cinematography but also the the screenwriting is how little information we have. Like we we he says it pretty late. Like uh, well, it's it's pretty late, right? When he says like this is my son, like he yeah. doesn't he like he like he's like. He just they take the body over. He hears the line. He's like, "Oh, go get an autopsy," and then he like rushes to get the body, and he's like, "I'll take him," and then takes it to the doctor, and then the doctor's like, "I'm a, I, I can't do anything here too. I'm a slave as well, just like you." And then he sets it pretty late. Like we don't know anything about this guy's family. Like, he doesn't say, "Oh, my wife's." Yeah, because I I was like. Oh, that's his wife and the with the women's. Uh, what were they doing? They were. I think they were like opening the briefcases. I think it looked, that's what it looked like. Yeah. At least one scene has like a cart full of briefcases. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what they're yeah. just finding. Yeah, go, going through very going through various uh, 
going through uh, valuables, yeah. personal valuables, and 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 as well as like the um, the the poor rabbi, like he, I mean that I mean <laughs> I don't I I don't really feel like I. I like I should be mad at him. I, not really. I, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel. The, that poor guy that steps up and says he's the rabbi. Um, because we don't even really like you, like it's not even really confirmed that he's not or he is. Well, I think at the ending when he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know yeah. the prayer. Yeah, he doesn't. Know, well, they I, just look at each other. Yeah, but I, I like, but like clearly there's gunfire. And there's people like the the group of guys are running by, and it's like we should, like I, I like. Well, it's even um even the scene where they're all like in the, I think in the chamber, one of them mentions like why isn't he praying for us? He's a oh, rabbi, yeah. he should be praying right now. And the guy's just all quiet. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But I I mean I took the guy like he was yeah just um I mean yeah just a situation he's in I mean it's just out of desperation you know he just wanted to live and he didn't assume he wanted to he didn't assume he was going to bury somebody yeah no he, he just, didn't <laughs> i know he just, <laughs> they're probably gonna they thought they were gonna keep him for like ceremonial services or something yeah <laughs> or yeah or just work with them as mm-hmm. sober commander mm-hmm. i think that's what the the guy thought at first when he lied about being a rabbi mm-hmm. like and that's yeah like like you said i didn't felt like he was like a bad person i just felt like He's scared. Yeah, he's just scared, and he just wanted to live, you know. Um, I don't know. Did you guys think anything about him or anything else about the rabbi? I mean, I think, like, I just kind of thought, like, because I think part of the point of the film is that, like, like seeing this special perspective of, like, the specific rule that was created during the Holocaust, I think, like, the way they emphasized it was the idea that, like, he had this, like, horrible routine of like doing this job over and over again nonstop, and it kind of in a way demoralized him I guess and I think that was kind of like spread it around everybody else in that environment that like the rabbi lied because like all he wants to do is get out he doesn't give a damn about any other morals he just wants to skid the situation and like I don't know oh dear um is there something else you wanted to bring up about the film the scene um well it's more of a fun fact i guess you can say well i don't know because you guys know so this is actually based off an actual event that did happen these sober commanders did um start a a rebellion in the concentration camp i don't remember which one specifically yeah it's one of those but um but also just a curiosity you guys if you guys looked it up that do you guys remember that scene when the one guy takes a, a photography yeah mm. so that is actually based off you can even find that picture in real life it, that's an actual picture somebody took when they were in the camp mm. i think if you read right if you want to right now just type up sober commando photo- photograph i think you can find it right there Jeez. and it's actually it's almost like I, oh, identical to that scene. Really? Yeah. oh my god i'm looking it up right now yeah you literally like slow, slow and oh, yeah it's like a bunch of piles of bodies and you see that door yeah, if you guys want to take a look into that right now. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it captures all of that, like the smoke and everything, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the full frame was through like the barn door too. Yeah. Yeah, you see the door. Oh yeah. Yeah, you see it? Oh yeah. It's wild. <laughs> um this film was so smart though because they there's so many different little things that just kind of really drew you into it more like you know first doing the whole the filming process was like it's just they have like you know you're right behind his back and you're following all every second but they also have moments where they like try to actively convince you that you're a part of it. I like there is there's this one moment that just really resonates with me when um, they're they're on break or something and they're in their like barracks and um, there's some guy that's going around collecting money for you know to bribe the guards from everyone who's like collecting stuff. He's like you know coin coin, and then it pans into you like he it's like it's almost like he's asking you. He's like you know you're shiny. And you're like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> this is me. And then it pans to like Saul. It reverses, and you see that the camera's focus on Saul. But it, it was a great little kind of almost jump scare thing to like kind of see if you were if you're actively watching the film and making sure that you know that like you are in this too. Like you're in this with all of them. Um, it was it was a great thing that I just helped me dive into the world even more. Yeah, speaking of jump scares, now like that you mentioned it, I feel like there's like several scenes where like I was completely like caught off guard by like some like small like thing that happened. Like like it's like probably like emphasized by like a loud like noise, but like all of a sudden I like find myself like jerking like in my chair, like holy crap, like like that just like immediately like pulls me back into the movie. Like mm -hmm. one that like came to mind was uh when they were on the beach, like throwing the ashes into the water it like slowed down for like a split second and all of a sudden it was like bam like shovel in your face like uh like something like crazy was happening but um i wanted to bring up like whether or not like saul's goal in this movie like do you feel that like his actions are justified or do you feel like this whole time like it's like He's, he's doing more harm than good, like to, you know, like his, his fellow like prisoners. I feel like there's like several examples in the movie where you're kind of like, you're like rooting for him to accomplish his goal. But at the same time, like there's like several parts of the movie where it feels like he is hurting others in the process or he's like kind of like sabotaging, not like purposefully, but like in order to achieve his own goal, he's like hindering you know the the rest of the people at one point i want to say that he does actually like get someone killed while searching for the rabbi there's mm -hmm. a different sonder commando who is trying to who, he, he gives his jacket to the other rabbi so he can blend in and now he looks like he's going to be thrown into the pit and the other guy has to come in and stop him from getting killed saying no leave him out of this he's a sonder commando and then that guy ends up getting killed instead of Saul and he makes his break for it with the rabbi. So do you feel like, do you feel like you can sympathize with him? I feel like, like, I feel like very conflicted, like in like rooting him on, but also like witnessing him be like almost detrimental to, to this, uh, like, I guess, prison break essentially. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 difficult for sure. I mean, because it really goes into like you trying to understand his thoughts and like his rationality, and you have to you have to really have a sense of empathy of like, okay, well, what would I do if I was in his shoes? Like, would I, you know, be quote unquote rational and do what everyone else is doing and stick to the plan, or would I let my personal beliefs and my personal, you know, uh, dogma take over, like, you know, and just go for it. And it's, it's hard to really have sympathy, it, it, like I have sympathy for him, but it's hard to do that because he screws so many people over, especially with trying to find a rabbi. So you mentioned that time when they're, you know, they're burning people in the pit and he basically leads a rabbi to be killed. But he also screws over the other rabbi that he like we heard about first in his barracks where it was like, like, oh yeah, look for the guy with the scars on his face. And he goes out and purposely joins like another group to like go talk to him. And in doing so, he gets that rabbi executed. Like, and there's there's a great scene where like, you know, he throws the shovel into the ocean or the lake because he's pissed that the guy won't help him. And then the poor guy's just going to get a shovel back and you know then they think oh it's a it's a break they're making a break for it and um it's also funny though to note in that like when he uh comes back from the conversation that he had with the officer the like you know that then goes off and kills the rabbi the officer puts on makes him put on the rabbi's hat like do you, do you guys notice that like, he gave him the rabbi's hat that he was wearing not saul's hat Mm -hmm. which I thought was an interesting choice. It's almost like he has to now carry the guilt with him that he led this other man to his death. Yeah, I mean, I, but, but, I mean, part of me that, that made me think about Alice's question that says, uh, was it worth it? Um, I did for a while and, and until it just got near the end. And it was like, oh, like they're actually trying to escape and they need your help and you're you're really not helping as many people as you could also in your immediate circumstance that are with you help escape and oh man it, it was it was heartbreaking for me because it, it it's a it's a nice gesture but at a certain point i i think if i was saw the son of son I, I i would have said just go just take care of yourself don't don't worry you know maybe like a little peace of mind but oh geez because um yeah yeah i also mentioned it this is a real historical uh uh event that happened in uh, uh by this the great sonder commando revolts of 1944 uh it happened in october and it looks really summertime, you know, springtime in the movie. So uh, it was unfortunate. The director said that they just couldn't shoot in autumn. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> oh, man. Gee, I don't feel like I, ha I had enough time to digest this movie, honestly, for myself. <laughs> I don't know. When did you guys see it? <laughs> I saw it last night. Last night? Oh, shoot. I should have oh, last week. Last week, uh, I saw it today at like ten. 
<laughs> oh man. Um, it, uh, yeah. I know this is, it's great though. It's um, I also I, I want to talk about that the damn camera again because I don't know about you guys, but about an hour into the film, I like not only was I disgusted with everything that was going on, but I physically became disgusted. Like I became kind of nauseous with the way how how like frequently the camera was moving and kind of triggering me to be like oh i'm getting motion sickness now and i'm just kind of thinking well that might have been the director's or the cinematographer's point is like by doing this even if you we you know we have all grown up with the holocaust pretty much being rammed in our throats in history like for our history classes from like fifth grade onward and you know i think in some sad way a lot of us have become desensitized to that so i was wondering if his point of trying to make us like nauseous with this camera angle was to like try to make us disgusted at this film regardless of whether or not we are disassociated with the holocaust it's like no you're gonna make sure you feel disgusted like i'm gonna actively do things to make sure it triggers that in you that's how i felt yeah, I would agree 100%. I'd say that's, like, you hit it, like, right on the head. I think that's exactly, like, why you would uh, make that kind of choice. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that you're, like, constantly, like, in motion. Like, you know, you're you're up close and, like, tight. And you feel, like, compact, confined. It's supposed to make you feel, like, uncomfortable. And, like you said, uneasy. And I had that same feeling. Like, like had, like, some, like, motion sickness, like, while watching. And I just felt like, oh, my God. Like, I kind of want to, like kind of want to like throw up just like or like like it begins to like hurt after a while just like watching it like for too long and it's kind of like i think it really just throws you into the perspective um of what the sonder commando might be going through like you where you're constantly like working and doing such a like disgusting job for for the nazis essentially like and it 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 while it can't like give you that full experience it like throws you into it where you're like oh my god like 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 this constant like back and forth like emotions starting to make you sick and like the visuals are making you sick and it's just kind of like emphasizing everything like perfectly to a t um alex brought up the jump scares um i i think i remember uh, when it really hit me uh like where the aspect ratio kind of really works for me was when I think it's part of the opening when they're when he's walking through the crowd and then he literally gets cut off by an SS officer and he just takes off his hat and just like and then, and then he uh, I don't know if anybody caught that but it was like it was like geez it, it really feels like when somebody enters the frame they just said like it's really abrupt it's, yeah. it's just oh and adds to that it made me feel claustrophobic and I, and I and I like feeling like I have room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and kind of touching on like the the jump scare thing again. Like I I saw this movie without any subtitles, so like I pretty much didn't know what was going on for most of it. <laughs> and so I like whenever he was like around like an SS like officers and that kind of stuff, the sound design gets really quiet and calm, but in a way where I'm like expecting a gun to go off the whole time. And so like that kind of like jump scare thing like happened to me like on a sound level. I'm just kind of like, oh, who's about to get shot? <laughs> right. 
I'm I'm really glad you brought up the sound design because I was like almost gonna forget like the the like entire intro like as you're walking with him, like the sounds of the people like you hear like voices like in panic, you hear like the marching, you hear the yelling of the soldiers, and then in the background there's like this constant like, like it's just like blaring like like over like the entire crowd is just like this ominous like what the fuck is happening and you're like so closed off like you're like your your field of view is so closed off you're you're like you feel like you don't know what's happening and you're like you're you're like the people going into the gas chamber you're just in like a constant state of fear of questioning of what's happening what's going on like you're like what is that sound like what is around us like if if the camera just panned a little bit to the right like what's right there like you know like it gives you like this feeling of like just like uneasiness and like not not being aware of like what's happening and that sound design like like was like perfect in emphasizing that that because like you don't know where that sound is coming from like if i had to guess like it was like like i like it wasn't like it wasn't like a train but like i don't know like if like a smoke chamber even makes that kind of sound like i don't know where it's coming from but i think the fact that like it's so like you're like not able to pinpoint it as the viewer gives you like such uneasiness while watching that it kind of throws you into the into the shoes of the people that are there who also have no idea what their fate is as they're walking down this line right it's it's interesting to note too with sound design there isn't a score for this movie like there is no music at all and mm -hmm. i think that really makes it a little bit more raw because I think music can be used to really elicit emotions in specific scenes. And by the fact that they chose not to have music makes everything just that more real. Like it makes it seem less forced for emotions. Like it, like that's like in ways that other Holocaust movies like, you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan, for example, like big budget Hollywood films, like, you know, use like, you know, or, um, the Great Escape, or uh, just, I'm trying to think of other ones. Um, and there's or with the Threat Pajamas. I'm sorry, uh, just really try to use music to draw out emotions. I'm sorry, Aaron, you were gonna say something? I was just saying Schindler's List, like to your list. Yeah, like, Schindler's yeah. List, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the fact that this film didn't do that, it was almost like it's a way of kind of giving respect to for the story and not trying to like get sympathy from us um the viewers yeah 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 it feels really raw and and really tasteful too mm. because um because when, when we were bringing up the aspect ratio at the beginning and somebody brought up it's not a wide the scale of just the holocaust is really present in those movies like when someone said that, I believe it was Matt. Um, the one shot I thought of was the one that was like, I don't know, I don't remember, I don't even remember seeing it as a kid, but that shot of, um, uh, dear, what's that from Life Is Beautiful, mm. he just sees that giant wall of just of bodies. Like I don't remember seeing that movie as a kid, but somehow that image is, was burned in my head. So when I saw it later, a couple of years ago. Like he, I just felt like a six-year-old kid, like in my living room, in my old apartment in Encinitas. <laughs> and uh, the scale, the scale of it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was really intimate. 
was how I felt really intimate because I really felt like I was being dragged when the camera was being shaked. I really felt like I had no idea that an SS officer was like standing right there uh, or that I just really couldn't tell. Like, And there was this one shot where he's walking through a dark uh, hallway. I don't know if anyone remembers it. And the only thing that's lit is like the corner around this dark alleyway and then it's, and it's already in aspect ratio so there's just a tiny sliver of light and it's just like jeez I, I don't want to be in there like I already feel so cramped and adding on to like the whole keeping a raw thing that Matt talked about I think maybe another part of the aspect ratio is to just try to have an aspect ratio that dissociates completely from like the traditional theater format mm-hmm. so that way it definitely doesn't feel like you're watching a movie it feels like it's something more realistic and so yeah, yeah something yeah else. i'm sorry you're saying oh just real quick um yeah i mean i think everything you guys are mentioning is like as i'm pretty sure we've all been there it's like it's that feeling where you have like so much things going on in your mind where you, you, you like it really feels like you're closed in i don't know if you you anybody i'm pretty sure we all have like i said we've all had that mentality where we're with, there's so much going on with us, whether personal, work, etc. And I feel like this movie almost kind of like showcases that mentality perfectly. I'm pretty sure that's what like Saul is going for, even before the whole idea of him trying to properly bury his son is like that idea where he's like just everything it's around him is there's just so much he has to think about and deal with that it, you do feel like you're clothed in and you don't feel, feel like you're clothed and boxed in like can't really think straight and that aspect ratio I feel like just perfectly like presents that mentality like just you, like just keep repeating myself but yeah you just keep like that idea where just so much is going on you don't even think about the stuff around you you're literally just thinking about what's right in front of you and I feel like the movie with that aspect ratio just perfectly like showcases that mentality again repeating myself but yeah um, go ahead Matt no, I was just gonna uh, say that it just, it, it didn't, I mean, it was interesting because it, it didn't feel like a typical film. It felt more intimate to me, like if it was just you reading this in a book or something. It felt, it felt more like I was reading a film rather than watching it just because of how, of how much, like how much it kind of went off the grain from what we usually consider to be typically normal in film from the aspect ratio from you know the use of using actual film to the camera angles to uh it just the story the lack of kind of plot like it just it was very much it's it just it was very different it's very jarring it's, it's a very um just it was, a, it was a different way to experience film for me in ways that I don't think a lot of films do, which I thought was, I don't know, just interesting to me, for lack of a better word. Do you want to bring up another scene? So we can just get into the ending. Yeah, I'll say something. We'll just get to the ending. Oh, oh okay. I mean, um, so I mean, I feel like we talked a lot about the movie, um, except the ending. Um, I, I, I feel like the movie did a really good job 
of capturing the hopelessness of of the Sonder Commandos. And I, I I'm a little I, I don't I don't know how to really fully interpret his uh his smile at the end. Uh, it, it it could be because um, I think someone someone did say that his uh, I think it was Matt again is uh, his you're, you're watching this man's psychological psyche completely break down. So, I mean, I feel like that that's why he smiles because he's just kind of he's just kind of really done mentally. Mm. He's kind of broken at that point. But um, but. At the last, the last shot, uh, I know Alex brought that up. He's familiar with that shot. Um, that last shot where um, they're taking their break, they just, they're waiting for five minutes, and then they, and then the little child. Oh gosh, that, did anybody else freak out when that kid, <laughs> like, just creeped into the frame of not just the frame, but also the frame of the door? <laughs> it was just like. It was like some guy, some guy sitting. That's that poor guy is just shot. Just he's just trying to barely cling on to life, and then just like this open sliver of outside, and then like he's just he just pops in and he looks clean and bright. Yeah, uh, it's just another jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely gave off a lot of creepy vibes. I mean, like. Obviously, like I'm pretty sure that's like intentional. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like he's like slowly like poking his head in, and like it's kind of like the back and forth of like him, him in the door frame, and then uh, Spell's reaction, and it's just kind of like 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 the back and forth until like you get like that final reveal of him, like and his smile. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm I'm also conflicted too. Like, I'm not entirely sure like how to how to interpret that that smile at the end there. Like my my first thought was kind of like was kind of like him like losing it was kind of like like all right like now he's like fully just like like gone off the rails and just like doesn't know how to react to like that was like my first one and now like after discussing it i I kind of see it almost like um him like acknowledging like his fate like i think throughout like the whole thing you feel a overwhelming like weight of like pressure like throughout the whole movie you're constantly unaware of like what's going to happen next and it's it's finally like it's finally like him knowing what's going to happen and that kind of like gives him ease almost it's like it's like okay like i'm like i'm done running like like this is this is essentially like the end of the line and that like ability for him to just like accept like what's coming his way is kind of like for once, like I finally know, like what, like what's gonna happen, and like it kind of just like gives him like a moment of peace, essentially. Aaron or Matt? Um, yeah, it just I I like going off of what you said about how it, we don't know what he's smiling at. Like maybe he's just psychologically just breaking. He's just done, and like I feel in a way it's it's interesting because at this point in the film you know he had just lost the body like it's like he had just lost in the river and let it go and so him seeing the kid 
maybe makes him think of you know his own kids like oh like maybe he thinks it's like the spirit of his kid coming back to say hi like you know I'm okay like I'm still here I'm still with you and he gets a false sense of comfort from that because you know three seconds later is when it just shit hits the fan and that's when you're like oh fuck like because that's kind of what I thought at first. I was like, oh, maybe it's just like an apparition of the kid. Like, even though it didn't look the same, I was like, it could be his own manifestation of what his kid looks like or something. But it just, it also, like, what is the purpose of this kid? Like, like that's never explained either. Because, you know, the final shot is of this kid just like wandering out into the fields and that's it. Um, but we never get any explanation. It's like, was this kid like used as bait, like to find them, or is it is he even real to begin with? <laughs> like, is it just we we don't even know. And um, it's not really something I feel like that really needs to be dived into. Explain. I like that it's open for interpretation for us. Um, uh, that's just something to note. Uh, yeah, I kind of, because throughout the film, like his, Saul's big thing is obviously like some sort of level of like self-redemption through trying to have his kid buried and having a proper burial and that kind of stuff. So maybe him seeing the kid and seeing that the kid has a chance to escape in a way is kind of a better sense of that, uh, what was the word, that, um, I lost my train of thought, <laughs> but having like that that sense of closure being something more real instead of it just being a, sim a symbolic kind of burial, you know? Mm. Yeah. I saw the week, the movie a week ago, so I don't really remember the ending that well. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, they're, they're trying to bury him, the, the body, and then the rabbi kind of just stares at him and then he helps him. Yeah. yeah, I remember like the, the soldiers like coming out of the woods like towards them. I don't remember too much after that, except for the kid like doesn't one of like the soldiers like direct the kid to like grass or something and the kid runs. Pushes yeah. But pushes him, yeah, yeah. He like he like grabs him by the mouth so he doesn't like make a sound. Yeah. And then he like just like yeah. directs him to like get out of there. So I was confused on that. I was like, is he is it because I was an SS officer, right? Is like is he helping the kid? Like I was confused on that. Yeah, I just it's never explained. Um just hear gunshots as he's running away. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then the camera just follows him. Yeah. The camera just follows him and then until he gets out, like until he gets out of the tree line and then it just stays. Yeah. Just stays. Hear the gunshots in the in the background so you like you like know like what's going down like in the background but it never yeah never shows you just like the kid like leaving yeah and then it just kind of has like you know like a typical like sopranos ending like just goes to black and they're done um <laughs> very jarring um i also want to note really quick though um with one of the minor characters so the doctor and like if you, i don't know if you guys noticed this, the doctor shows up in the end so the doctor is the guy that pulls him out of the water like, and so that, that's funny to me because like, it, I just thought that was weird because the doctor like, you know, had been like hiding the body for him. And then when um, 
like later in the film, like, you know, he's like, you have to find me a body. Like he comes and sees him. He's like, you have to find me a body so that, you know, I don't get fucked over and so that they don't know that I'm helping you. And then it's interesting to note that he's there in the end. Like he ended up making a break for it too. Cause you see him like drag Saul out of the water and like, you know, shake him up awake. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I uh, noticed that the, of all the characters in the movie, I feel like that doctor was the only one that was good to Saul. Mm-hmm. The one who generally like, cared about the situation he was in, you know, willing to help him like hide the body for him. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like the ending, yeah, I mean, I felt like that was like kind of like, yeah, like symbolic of him finding like inner peace or this idea that um, that this kid, I mean, even though he didn't give him proper burial, the kid wasn't burned with everybody else. I mean, I guess it's, you can say his body wasn't always saved. And I think the idea of him looking at that kid is him like realizing that 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 this this kid at least didn't get burned like everybody else unfortunately yeah so it, yeah i think it was in a way of him like finding like peace or realizing at least he felt like he did something good at the end mm-hmm. before he passed yeah. um so uh I, I didn't know anything about this movie i also brought this up I didn't even watch the trailer. Uh, Aaron said he, 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 Aaron watched the, uh, no, no, no. You, you looked at the Wikipedia of it, right? Yeah. Like kind of like at the halfway point, I started to kind of read along just so I know what was happening. <laughs> usually I, usually sometimes I'm looking at things about the movie too in the middle of it, but I was really engrossed by it that I couldn't not look away. And um, after the movie, I looked up, some things about the Sunder Commander because I, I was actually kind of embarrassed about not knowing anything, but thankfully nobody else did either. So I felt a little better um, that it's just uncommon knowledge. And uh, um, yeah, th- this movie does a really beautiful job. Uh, Alonso, I was going to ask you because you know more about this movie than we do. Um, and even the little research I just did. Is Saul an actual historical character or he's just completely fictional for no. the script? Yeah, he's just completely fictional okay. for the script. Okay, because uh, I'm a fan of screenwriting. I love screenwriting. I, I love history. So uh, if you can, uh, if, if you, I feel like if you can follow these three things in screenwriting, you're, you're just, you're good. If you can, if you can teach, challenge, and surprise, it's it, like it's a it's a good script. Usually, some most scripts can uh, challenge and teach. Some can challenge and surprise, but this one like knocks it out for all three of me. Um, but as I was looking up for it, this is a historical event. Um, the the great uh, um, the great revolt of the Sonder commanders, and they are. There were other movies, like four other movies out in the 60s and 70s that tried uh, to depict this movie, but they exaggerated a lot of the, uh, they exaggerated the events. Like they put like, and this movie captured, uh, uh, depicted it the most uh, accurately. Um, mm. In other movies, they showed that they created the bomb, that they were able to make the bomb. Yeah. Up the, the camp and some people were Say, uh, depicting that they were able to round up guns and fight back uh, mostly. Um, as we can, as we know, the there was no bomb. There was at most a fire 
and on top of it, they weren't well armed, and a little bit that they were armed, they lost the weapons. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was about um, 300 uh, Sunder commanders that were trying to escape. And uh, they were all, they were, you know how like they were all in groups, like 70, 50, like all of those. Yeah, so one of them, they did have a bomb, but they chose to blow up one of the gas chambers to try to keep it from being used. The other 200 that were uh, fighting were able to escape, but they were caught um, 20 miles outside of the camp. And they were caught by the locals. Mm. So locals um, told the SS officers where they were. So, um, so the so the actual hopelessness uh, of the Sunder Commandos uh, is actually uh, really historically accurate because I felt like I I felt really uh, really uh, helpless to these guys, and um, I feel like they did a really good job with creating this character that we were able to be attached with and also try to root for, but also see the mental strain that being a Sonder Commando did to him. So, yeah. I mean, did you want anything else that I may have missed? No, I mean, some of that stuff I didn't even know myself. Oh, okay. But I'm not surprised with when you mentioned the idea of a local telling, and that could be like what the kid might have represented. Yeah. That yeah. idea, or, yeah, just yeah. the idea of the yeah, locals finding out. Yeah, but like it's perfect with Son of Saul, though, right? Because yeah. like it, it like ties up his themes of like the, his son and the yeah, exactly. just and, and and where he is just. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I I know Matt said uh, he didn't want to learn but <laughs> hear about it, but it was just it was too interesting like for me not to bring it up. Oh yeah, just real quick, um, the whole because he looked it up the. Because there is actually like a book about the daily life of a Sonder Commando, like being represented by one of those guys that they secretly, um, um you know, their day to day life, almost like a diary. So that was a real thing because there is a book available right now. I think it's called The Scrolls of Sonder Commando, I think, what it's called. You can, and that, that was like the main influence that the director like took mm. from the movie. Like once he found that book and started reading it, that's how he got the inspiration to make the movie. So he did a great job. The, yeah. This guy, what's his name? The director. His name oh. is Laszlo Nemi. Laszlo Nemi. His first. This is his debut. Yes. Yeah, Jeez. And also, um, he was an assistant for Bella Tar. I don't know. You know Matt. You know the guy who's responsible for Satin Tango, a seven-hour-long movie. No. Oh my God. No, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think specifically oh he was an assistant for. Oh my God. The one movie called The Man from London. Mm. That's the one it says he helped him with. Mm. I mean, it kind of explains the depression of the movie or where mm -hmm. he got some of the influence from. Mm. I mean, round of applause to this guy. What's, what's his name? Laszlo Nimi. Laszlo Nimi. 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 It's okay. like memes, but with an N. Nimi. I think that's how you say it. And also the lead actor, it's literally his first, it's literally his first yeah. film. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, that's, um, I hope I pronounce this somewhat correctly. Giza Ra Rawrig? Rawrig, I, I butchered that, but 
um, that he did a it was a tour de force performance, really. Yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah it's incredible. He he, oh jeez, he, he he was just he was just captivating. Mm. Say anything. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I love when you feel like he used kind of every single part of his body to express how he's feeling like i love i you can tell if someone's a good actor if even like their eye twitch like says something about their character or about what's going on in the in the film it's like they're completely in control of their body and they know how this is all gonna look on the camera to the audience and it's just gonna elicit more emotion from a scene than any line of dialogue could um, I don't know. I was very impressed with him. I thought he was a fabulous job. I kept thinking, like, dude, this guy's nailing less is more. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's really nailing it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, anybody else want to comment on the film? I mean, I mean, we could just talk about, like, would we recommend this movie? <laughs> Alonso? Does it stand the test of time five years later? Yeah, it does. Um, it, it was already in my top film of, like, that 2015 but for sure is definitely like up there i would i think it really is like my number one of 2015 honestly i just legitimately just love this movie honestly it really is to me just perfect i just consider a flawless movie yeah i mean i mean it's it's hard to argue that (laughs) yeah i mean uh i mean what about you guys would you guys recommend this or rewatch this Yeah, I think so. I, I remember like that once the movie ended, the first thing I, I did was look up to see if it won any Oscars. Because I was like, if it doesn't win one, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> I think it should have deserved. I don't know who won cinematography that year, but I kind of feel like this one should have been like a good competitor in that field. But it won one at least. The, the Revenant? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Revenant won it? Okay, that's fine. Okay, that's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think I think this this film is definitely something I would recommend. I think it's like almost like a masterclass in like in in execution of like of like a vision. I feel like I feel I would be surprised to to like talk to the director and find out like. He, if he would like had like doubts about this movie like going into like, its release because i just feel like everything was like executed so so well and i really i really enjoy movies that have great cinematography so of course this one but the, the 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 thing that i like take away from movies is like is like if it like inspires me to like go out there like take up my camera and like just like start like shooting and i see this and i'm like you have you have like uh, a consistent focal length and probably like a handheld rig and that's like that's like your whole your whole thing like while working on this movie and if you can like execute that portray like such a, a powerful story with like the most like minimalistic setup like you can have it, it just like stands like it's like how how little how little like you actually need to like execute something like so powerfully and that really inspires me because like i think we all get in our heads that like we 
we need like these like new gear and new equipment and like we need like the most flashy type of this and that but it's kind of like so you can get out there with like you know what you have right now you get out there with your iphone and like a selfie stick maybe get like a good audio like with the external recorder you can make something like beautiful like you don't need like something extremely like extravagant and fancy right going off of that and like they was done on pretty much like a shoe spring budget when compared to like big studios it's done for like 1.5 million euros which is pretty much like nothing when you compare like a huge budgeted film it's practically an indie mm -hmm. um but yeah it just it um for me a film i consider a film that works as a film if it's something that holds an impression with its audience if it holds something that's gonna keep people thinking even after they walk out of the theater or even out of the room with the tv that they watched it in and to me there was so much that like there was so much just going on with it it's just impossible not to have random thoughts about it throughout your day there's, there's it's impossible not to think about uh, because of how intricate and how detailed it was surprisingly for such a seemingly simple film and such a because everything is it's it's one it's pretty much one location it's pretty much it's very few characters but it, it's got heart it's got a lot of emotion just bundled inside of it um and it doesn't really need anything flashy to really draw your attention it just it just you know it does its job to me it, it really it works. Aaron? Uh, oh, to the recommendation thing? Yeah. Or, yeah, rewatch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would rewatch it. Hell yeah. Just, I mean, like Valentin knows me, I barely watch a movie to begin with. But um, this is definitely like if I were to rewatch films frequently, this would definitely like be like a once every two years kind of thing. Like I'd pop it in. Yeah, I think about the same time. About the same time, I need. Uh, yeah. I need some time away from it. Yeah, yeah. I think in terms of like Holocaust films, it really stands out, like in every level. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if somebody asked me for like a World War Two Holocaust film, I would think about this one. Yeah. Like, this one over all of them. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. Alrighty, we uh on cinema studs. We don't have a star rating or or a number rating or a letter grading because we think they're pretty inconsistent and redundant. So we ask a question, uh, a different question here instead. We ask, what would we change? So I don't know if, honestly, I don't know how much this would apply for this one for reals because Alex said it. I, I Alex said it, and I think he said she said it. Perfectly, it, it, this feels like a master class. Honestly, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, and this one's because like this movie is such a specific vision. Like, like for example, like as opposed to say like, like like Mad Max Fury Road. Like, it's a very Mad Max Fury Road is a very like, is a well-made film and really artistic film, but it still kind of follows the basic structure. It doesn't really do anything experimental. This film is so specific. It's kind of hard to say you change something on a critical level. Um, yeah. Uh, 
it, it, it would like collapse the vision somehow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think everything about this uh, reinforces it and upholds the director's vision. Yeah. One thing that I, like at first while I was watching it, one thing that I thought at first would, that I ended up kind of not agreeing with myself, but one thing that at first that I kind of thought would help it would be to kind of like maybe begin the movie like with the father like trying to save the son somehow in a way like the son's still alive at first and you just kind of like that way you can kind of connect to the son so that way the loss of the son through the father's eye is more relatable I guess because you got to know the character but I can understand like how it wouldn't be necessary at all though yeah I, I was curious about that too. Like, it's all pretty present time, right? Like, he, the, he mm-hmm. never go. There's no flashback. I don't even think he looks at an image of before either. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah, why, yeah. At least for me, that's why it was all open to interpretation whether mm-hmm. it was or wasn't his son. And that's, that was the main reason why I loved the movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I like that angle of it too, honestly. That? Did you say anything or recommend it or I uh, don't change or change? Would, would or... You change? <laughs> uh, we're just following the format of the podcast now. Um, you know, I wish I could say something about it to like say what it would change, but I I got no notes. I I think it's something that left me kind of breathless when I when I ended it I was just like oh and um I can't think of I can't even I'm still processing I can't begin to think of something that I would do differently I think I because like the things that I would want like I would like you you mentioned better than say like a little flashback or something like I it would have been nice to have seen like I mean sorry no Alex you mentioned this like it would have been nice to seen kind of some kind of flashback with his son, if it is actually his son, but um, I think to it, it, it did it in a way where it's just it didn't do any of that because it just wants to leave everything up to the viewer and the viewer's own perspective to decide what this film actually is and what like and just kind of it wants you to think. It, it's one of those films that it wants you to put all the pieces together. Or, or fit whatever piece you want into it to make you kind of change the narrative to fit your narrative. And that's what makes it so smart. And uh, it, um, it makes it a little bit more personal in that way because it kind of allows you to adapt to it rather than it to adapt to you. And it, um, I, that being said, it just, I can't, think of what I would change about it so no notes for me it's something that I would definitely add to the list of holocaust films world war ii films that I would recommend to someone um I would be especially if they're just need to I don't know if they they need something to watch and this is definitely on my list now and Alex what about you oh man I think that you you said it really well it's kind of like the the film the film gives you like just enough to like have your own interpretation and it leaves out just enough to like let you put something in its place you know like 
I feel like adding anything extra, any like additional information removes like what we've been talking about, like about being able to interpret like, is it actually his son? Is it, you know, just him like manifesting like his own guilt and trying to like redeem himself? I think that that there isn't anything that I could say would add to make this a better film because I think like Aaron said, it's such a specific vision that like changing in any way, like almost removes uh, abilities to like interpret and put your own, like put your own ideas about like, you know, the mentality behind the characters, the um, motivation behind the characters. Like it, I feel like any more information um, kind of destroys that illusion for, for the viewer. So I can't say that I would, I would add anything like it's it, it's such a well executed movie and such a like powerful vision that that director must have had yeah uh yeah i mean that i uh, i mean we're fo- we're just following the format <laughs> that we've uh uh put on ourselves on this podcast as cinema studs so but it was just so crazy that this question just felt dirty to ask <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an honest question, though, and the fact that this is the answer kind of proves how good the movie is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just, yeah, it just, yeah, exactly. It's brother testifies like just the validity of this movie. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, might as well bring it up. Like Zack Snyder put his four by three aspect ratio on his Snyder cut of Justice, and it feels pretty gimmicky. Mm-hmm. But like here, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That design is so crisp and purposeful and just the the aspect ratio forces actors to be close so they're really confrontational and just intimate and yeah just cinematography like everything is just super intentional yeah it just feels organic um and just not forced uh and i think you really can't get more personal than that yeah absolutely Alrighty, conclusions. Cool, I'm a son of Saul, everybody. We made it, we survived. Um, intense movie. Um, thank you, Alonso, for recommending that. No <laughs> thank you guys for uh, being on top, being, watching it, and then have, being part of the discussion. I feel like we we covered it pretty well. Yeah, I'm glad everybody was here, too. Yeah, yeah, everybody's here, too. Yeah, it's super Especially awesome. Movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, listen, why don't you let them know what uh, our next review is? So, our next review for July will be Tangerine. Yay! Something yeah. happy for once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, excited for that one. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, we, we want to do a discussion about, uh, uh, also, we also want to do an episode about uh, COVID, uh, COVID quarantine or quarantine movies. Uh, everybody had a a pretty much year to just stay at home i know i watched a lot of movies (laughs) about y'all so yeah oh that's awesome i'm excited for that (laughs) so that'll definitely be the, the the next recording so we don't we won't do the movie right away but yeah so yeah um you guys want to plug anything your uh twitch accounts or IG accounts, OnlyFans, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, Aaron, I heard you uh, started OnlyFans, right? <laughs> I mean, it's still on the download. We're still getting the kinks. Right, right, right. <laughs> hitting, hitting the gym a little bit before you do the full reveal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to support the fans, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, but you know what? They'll have, be happy with whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll be going through the process with you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I'll announce the release here exclusively on this podcast. All right, right. started from the yeah. bottom now. <laughs> That'll be our audience, our demos. Sydney <laughs> <laughs> fans. Sydney fans. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, go ahead, plug in uh, whatever you guys want. Uh, we'll do. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll do in uh, the order that people showed up. So, Aaron, uh, Matt, and then Alex. Um, I mean, I just have my Instagram. It's Delanora. D e l a n o r a a. And yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, same for me. I have my Instagram. It's some like it Matt. It has a picture of me digitized as a little character from an old Pokemon game with two of my favorite Pokemons on it, Espeon and Meganium. And um, I do a lot of film posts on my um, Instagram from whether it's just kind of like film threads about actors or actresses to just random scenes from movies that I find compelling to even tattoo ideas that I want to get tattooed on from stills like from movies um so yeah if you ever want to follow that my thing is some like it Matt like the Marilyn Monroe movie some like it hot from 1953 <laughs> and that's all I love Matt's story post about cinema they just like <laughs> to learn a little bit about old hollywood that i've none of <laughs> go for all it right. let them know all right you can find me on instagram at camera vega i post a lot of my film roles on there some of my best work and then my stories usually include things about social justice or just awesome movie quotes um i've been getting really into tarkovsky quotes so if you're into tarkovsky go check it out and uh, also follow me on Twitch, AV underscore Zip with two Ps. I usually stream on the weekends and Fridays. Super dope. Thank you, everyone, for having us here. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you guys for being here and talking about Son of Soul. Thanks for having us. Yep, Thanks for having us. Excited to talk to you all in the future. Bye, everybody. Like a plan. Peace. Right. Peace. Bye.